This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Our Nation News Podcast. My name is Solman Ali at Red Nation Noops on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, um, pretty good. Yeah, I'm doing good myself. New Year's edition of the podcast. It is January 1st at the time of this recording. The last time we recorded a podcast was December 5th. Everything has happened in that time, as you mentioned before that we started recording. Um, lot has a lot has changed with the Rockets. A lot has moved. A lot of stuff has happened. But yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, so I went ahead and asked you guys for questions on Twitter, and we received a good amount. But first, I want to pose my own questions to Forrest before we get into the, the listener questions. So Forrest, let me ask you. I'm not going to incriminate myself, but you can try. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. We def- definitely make sure you don't do that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, are the Rockets back? Oh, uh, you know what? I'm going to be that guy and say, not yet. Not yet. Uh, okay. Not yet. Uh, first off, as I, my personal preference is to not buy in until they're ten games over five hundred. I know it's kind of an arbitrary line, but it's enough that I think it's uh, really convincing at that point. Also, they have to work some guys back into the rotation. A lot of this, this uh, better play that we'll be talking about, uh, has come with Chris Paul on the bench or with. Eric Gordon on the bench, James Ennis on the bench, or working in Austin Rivers. It's it's a weird liminal period right now. The chemistry looks good, but all this James James Harden is playing out of his mind in a way which I think is probably a bit unsustainable. But you know we've said that before. But uh, so I want to see this continue on a little bit longer with closer to what the rotation is actually going to be before I really buy in. Fair enough. I think ten games over five hundred is actually a pretty good. Uh, benchmark if if that's what you want to believe and that's a 52 win basketball team that's that's very good um i mean this stretch that they've been on has been something else uh they've won 10 out of their last 11 games they are now back up to the third best offense in the nba uh they have wins over the blazers the lakers the jazz uh the spurs the the thunder the the celtics the the Grizzlies like these are good playoff teams right like these 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 aren't scrubs that they're beating they're not beating you know like the Bulls or like 
um, the Suns. Like these are good playoff teams, legitimate teams that I would say the Rockets got victories over. And this is a lot of this has come without Chris Paul. The last five games have been without Chris Paul. And you're right, James Harden has been on another level. He's been uh, everything he was last year and more offensively. He's just been I mean, just the step back three. Like it's it's like he's. I don't want to say he's taken it to another level, but he's reached early levels of last season, which he was, I mean, historically great at the step back three lot in the early part of last season, and he's he's gotten to that point again this season, and it's it's come out of obviously necessity, and it's just come at the perfect time for Houston because they have needed every bit of it, and you. You know, the Rockets had every excuse when Chris Paul went down in Miami to fold. They have every excuse, every reason to fold up, lose like four or four out of the next five games, and just quit. And you know what? Like, I think the way they responded uh, really impressed me. And I'm going to answer the question that I posed to you differently. I'm going to say, yeah, they're back. I'm not going to say they're back to where they were last year and that may not they may never happen they may never they, they may never be as good defensively as they were last year but offensively they, they found something that they can rely upon to win basketball games again and they've gotten back to their roots as a basketball team you know g- g- becoming the third best offense in the league like i mentioned this before in the last podcast december 5th like when we record that podcast i think i said something along the lines of the rockets don't have an identity they didn't have any idea. They, they didn't. Yeah, at the time, they were still just trying to figure out what they were doing out there. Yeah, they weren't winning with defense. They weren't winning with offense. They just had nothing. And now th- I feel like they do. Like, and, and it may not be a strong defensive identity, like, but they have a strong offensive identity, and that's what they've had for the past three years. And in that sense, they are back. Now, they have a lot to do before they're ever considered a true contender in the Western Conference again. But... In terms of being becoming a good playoff team, they are back, and I'm not sure what it's going to take to elevate them to that next level. Maybe we'll get to we'll get to some questions. I'll answer just that, but I think in terms of can we start taking them seriously again as a team that is going to be a force in the Western Conference? Yeah, I'll say that they're back in that sense. Yeah, they've looked uh, they've looked pretty pretty damn good lately. Uh, they've had convincing wins over a bunch of good teams, uh, lots of nice double digit wins, which is really what you want. Uh, they've, I mean, they lost that one game by two points. <laughs> if they'd made one more three, they'd be uh, on an eleven game win streak. So it's it's one of those things where like they've just randomly caught fire and. It, it's it's been at a time where they desperately needed it. When before the streak, they were just a touch under five hundred. They are now. Let me see. Yeah, twenty one and fifteen, fifth in the Western Conference, six games above five hundred. So like they're no longer they're tied dan- with the Celtics or right. not Celtics, the Clippers. Yeah, and Celtics. <laughs> yeah, they're no, they're no longer dancing along the lines of five hundred and becoming like a mediocre basketball team. Which you know that, that it felt very fifteen sixteen ish. Uh, towards the beginning of the season, and I don't think they're going to be that bad this season. Uh, I don't. I'm again. I'm not sure how high to put their ceiling again. Like it's still very new. They're playing at a 45 win p- pace right now, but again, it is much better than where they were just a month ago. They have an identity again. They're winning basketball. They're winning basketball games again, and James Harden's playing at 
Oh man, I've I've never seen him play this well for a short stretch like this. Like it's this is, I mean we've we've all seen the statistics. He's he's playing at levels only two other guys have played at. You know Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Like that's that's great company to be about, to be amongst. And he's he's playing at a level which few other guys have. And uh, it's it's really impressive. So with that being said, you want to get to questions? Sure, let's get them. Uh, first question is from yourself. Yeah, why is at do not so stupid? You're not you're you're not stupid. Don't be so hard. <laughs> you're you're you're. I you're, just thought I'd have a bit of fun. Yeah, uh, no, try no. to pre- preempt these questions before they come. No, no. Uh, so the answer is a uh, upbringing. Yeah, it, it's it's okay. It's okay. You, you you're not stupid. <laughs> um, let, let's see. Mello is still on the. This from Dom, at Dom Hackman. Mello is still on the roster. Why? And if the team there, asked for him to return, would he? Um, uh, so I feel like we can kind of package this together with uh, also uh, Aaron Babin asking if or he's using Mello for a trade package. Uh, so there's a couple questions about Mello here, which uh, so I think we can just answer them all in one go. Yeah, sure. We'll go ahead and do that. So as far as why is Mello still on the roster, they're looking for some sort of amicable, amicable exodus in, in that It'll be better if, if instead of waiving him outright and having to pay his salary plus the additional luxury tax that comes with it, it'll be better if Melo finds a home. So when he does get waived, you know they don't have to they don't have to comp for that whole salary. Like he can automatically in that three day period find a team that's willing to take on his minimum salary contract and um and you know take on the rest of his contract. So the Rockets don't have to pay luxury tax. Also, they as as you mentioned, they can also trade him. Uh, you can also package him to another team that's willing to trade for Kamal Anthony, uh, and perhaps get something in return. Maybe a second round pick, maybe um, an expiring contract, whatever. You know, like like you can get something back, or just you know trade him to the team that he wishes to go to and do do right by him, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the math of it is that if they were just to waive him, then they have to deal with that salary being on their books. Uh, but if they trade, the luxury tax only cares about the salary on the last day of the regular season. Uh, so they, if they give it off their books, yes, they're paying him check to check currently in his what it's like two point five million. Uh, they're paying him check to check currently, but that's way smaller of a concern than uh, than a couple million dollars towards the luxury tax apron. Uh, so yes, they'd like to save that money, and I'm sure Mello would like to have a chance to pick where he wants to go. Because if they just waive him, then somebody might pick him up. He might get picked up by like Phoenix or something. Right. I, I've seen a lot of hashtag free Mello. Mello is not in jail. Like no, Mello, he can he can go whatever he wants. He just yeah. has to find somewhere to go. Who's going to agree to pick him up or like trade him into space? Yeah, the Rockets aren't forcing him to stay on the roster. If Mello truly wanted to get the hell out out of the roster, I mean, he could he could go anytime he wants the reality is he has not found a home yet and uh, a team willing to take him on uh and there is much speculation as to whether a team like that will emerge um but you know i don't think the rockets are any in any rush uh they could still uh do without his roster spot and pay him check to check if they wanted to uh and it's not really a big deal i mean it's not like the rockets aren't doing anything wrong and neither is carmel anthony they're they're just waiting for a team to reach out you know and you know express their interest in carmel anthony and once that happens uh he will be gone and on that team um but as yeah, far as there's, there's not really a rush either because as long as he gets onto a, you know whatever team 
by the trade deadline, even after the trade deadline, because it's just uh, it's what marches the deadline for going to the playoffs to the team. Right. There's not any rush for him to get on whatever team he wants to be on, and I don't think teams are rushing to pick up Melo right now. So, because uh, I'm sure if if the Lakers or somebody said, "Hey, we'll trade you Carmelo Anthony for basically like a you know a minimum dude on one year, just whatever." Like, Rogers would be like, sure, we'll take whatever. <laughs> if we want to unload this guy, you could have him for nothing. That'd be the best case scenario. Just trade him in his face is what they'd like to do. Right. And and as I said earlier, like, the the Rockets aren't in any rush for the for a roster spot. They already waived um, Zochi, and they were willing to, you know, take his contract off the books because it was non-guaranteed and pick up Austin Rivers off the scrap heap. Like, And they could still do that with other guys on the roster. Um, they're not, you know... I think I think they'd like to have that roster spot open, but there's no need to have it open at this point. So I mean, it's really you know I I, I understand the uneasiness of seeing him on the injury report every day. You know the out not with team. Like I know that's annoying to look at every day, but I mean it's really not a big deal. It's just it's it's only costing the Rockets money. It's not costing them anything in the meantime. It's it's just. Um, it's just a weird situation uh, because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest for Colm Anthony at this time, and the Rockets don't want to pay his luxury tax. Um, and if those two things weren't in accordance, I think he'd be gone off the team a while ago. Um, so, also from Dom Hackman, what likely most likely Rocket now on the roster after the trade deadline? Also, who is who are the most realistic targets that bolster the roster? So I'll answer the first question first. Most likely Rocket not on the roster after the trade deadline. I'd say that honor would uh, best be bestowed on MCW. Um, I think Michael <laughs> Carter-Williams, his, his days are severely limited on this roster. Yeah, he might just get waived at some point. Yeah, even. it has nothing to do with the trade deadline, actually. It, it's just, you know, like he's... He has been uh, really bad for Houston, and uh, he's not seeing the floor at all. Even when the Rockets have had uh, a lot of injuries in the in the meantime, it's just he's he provides Houston with absolutely no value. And I feel bad because he's really really nice guy, like a really really nice guy. Uh, has nothing to do with him personally. Just not a great basketball player. Um, and I think as soon as the Rockets find someone to fill his roster spot, they will do that. And they will use part of that uh, exception that they have to to get another player. I, I think he is the most likely rocket to be gone. Um, is there anybody else you think is on his way out, Forrest? Yeah, Brandon Knight. He's a uh, his contract is quite nice for trading at current. Uh, it's the or at least it's the best contract for trading they have. Uh, Austin Rivers has basically done what they were hoping he would do, which is weird and hilarious but also overall very good so far uh so brandon knight has become kind of expendable uh which he always is somewhat expendable and now he's even more expendable because they don't really need him for anything except for as a trade ship so i think if they make any kind of a trade deal for anyone of any reasonable salary he's the guy right and they sent him to the g league to do some of his uh just to do some of his rehab, uh, he's just not been good enough to play, uh, especially with the addition of Austin Rivers, which we should talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, I think Brandon Knight is a good contract to trade. I, I agree with you. I think the Rockets are are indeed looking at uh, moving him at the trade deadline if they can. That's that's a really really great, nice sized contract that they could move, and it's not it's not too cumbersome for the team taking him on. 
uh, especially if you attach some sort of uh, draft consideration along with it, uh, perhaps a first or a second round draft pick. Uh, the, I think the Rockets are indeed looking at that. And I think, you know, as far as who can bolster this team, I mean, any sort of wing, really. It's The answer to this question has not changed since the last time it was posed. Like, it's it's real. <laughs> they're really uh, looking for a wing. Like, I, I like Daniel House, and, like, I really do. I, I, I think Daniel House has been a solid find for Houston. Like, he's... You know, really providing the Rockets with a lot of energy and spark, but he is not a—he's not a starting caliber player in the NBA. I mean, he is uh, just way too young and not good enough of a sp- floor spacer. Uh, he's very confident as a shooter, like very willing to shoot the basketball, and I credit him for that. He is um, not the Rockets do uh, enjoy him spacing the floor when he's taking those shots because um, there are a lot of people in his position uh, with these percentages that would just refuse to shoot and it's been nice that he hasn't been afraid to shoot but I don't think that he is the long-term solution at the small forward position for Houston I think he's a nice solid bench player if they could reduce him to that and I think as far as who can who they can look at I mean we're looking at Baysmore we're looking at Courtney Lee (laughs) we're looking at all the same names you've seen like it, uh, it like they could look at some off the books, you know, like off the radar candidates. Like perhaps maybe look at a Tim Hardaway Jr. Like I think that's a player that Houston could look at. J.R. Smith is someone I think that they will take a strong look at, considering that uh, he is just not playing for Cleveland anymore. Like he is uh, taking a break from the the roster, and like they are looking for a new home for him. I think that's the Rockets have expressed interest in J.R. Smith in the past. I think that's a strong, uh, you know, candidate for the Rockets to trade for. Contavious uh, Caldwell-Pope. Uh, a lot of reporting about him and the Rockets uh, being very interested in Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I think that's a candidate you should look at. Um, any sort of wing that can provide Houston with quality minutes because they really need it. Like, they... Like James Ennis has been hurt and has not been able to provide the same sort of um, reliability that Trevor Reza had for the Rockets last year. Um, and Eric Gordon, while he is probably the smart play to start games, I think you probably would like to have another defensive-minded wing because if the Rockets want to become any more than what they are right now, they should probably find someone that can play in a Warriors series and guard Kevin Durant. Like, And I don't think... Um, Starting Eric Gordon and playing him the amount of minutes they're playing him is the answer there. I think I think the answer is probably finding a long term solution at the starting small forward position and perhaps moving back Eric Gordon to the bench so you can have some good bench depth. Yeah, for my money, I would want to see uh, Bays more early, honestly, and I think that either of them is not unrealistic as a goal. Both the Hawks and the Knicks are uh, very bad quite bad and neither of those guys ought to be in their long-term plans it kind of sounds like the the hawks really do like bays more long-term for some reason the knicks definitely don't care about courtney lee he's way too old for a rebuilding team and i don't really see why they haven't traded him already Ooh, another guy that i think would be a nice pickup for houston would be justin holiday uh, although i'm not sure if the the bulls would want to trade him for anything that the rockets have uh yeah that that's that's a really nice pickup if they could find a way to you know perhaps pry him from the Bulls. Um, but yeah, I mean you're one hundred percent right. Like they they need some sort of veteran stability at that wing, and um, having a Baysmore or having a Contavious Caldwell Pope or any sort of 
depth at that position will help them. And if they if they do truly want to compete with the Warriors, which it sounds like they do, um, they're going to need to find somebody at that position. Uh, I'm not sure if J.R. Smith is the guy, but I I know <laughs> I know they have interest in him, and I know I know. Um, that he can provide some rockets with some floor spacing, which is, I guess, something. You know, like I'm not. I'm I, to be honest, I'm not sure if uh, J.R. Smith is um, still the same level of defender he was a couple of years ago. He has not defended at that level in quite some time. But you know, the Rockets have been known to getting the most out of guys once they come into this offense and into the system. Like the Rockets are really good at re- rehabilitating players, so I think that's you know th- that might be part of their motivation for going after Jr. But um, it's, it'll be interesting. Like I think they're going to be active for the trade deadline. Jr. Uh, Daryl Morey had an Instagram Q and A uh, a couple days ago in which he answered um, a question about about them being active for the trade deadline, and what he pretty much said is. If we were active for the past ten past ten years at the trade deadline, there's no reason we're not going to be active at this trade deadline. And, and this trade deadline is one in which they absolutely need to, you know, utilize. Um, another name, last minute, maybe Nick Batum. You know, like that's that's a it's a huge contract, I know, but uh, I think he could definitely help Houston if if they could manage to pry pry him from Charlotte. Um, and you know, this is a long shot, but. Auto Porter, I Auto Porter is very very good, like very very good. If you could get him from Washington, and that Washington you know situation looks very bleak right now, like <laughs> that 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 would be that would be a plus. Like they just John Wall just got surgery on his right heel; he's going to be out for the rest of the season. So um, they might be looking to tear it down. And if if you can pry an Auto Porter from them, that's that's that would be great. That would be great. He would be a long-term solution for Houston, and I know that's a huge contract that they would be taking on. I think they would be. I think they'd be willing to do it um, if if the price is fair. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, I think they need anybody who can defend on the wing right now. So uh, let's get after it. Yeah. Um, is Maury okay? We already answered this question. Um, is it too late for Harden to get legit MVP consideration? Factoring factoring in the issues Houston had earlier in the season, um, I don't think so. I mean, he's already getting serious MVP consideration right now as we speak. There's been a lot of talk about him getting climbing back into that MVP race. I mean, he's having an historic stretch right now, and if he continues playing, you know, like he he can't play like this for the rest of the season. You mentioned this is not sustainable, but if he can play. Like last year's James Harden, like a, a touchdown from that for the rest of the season. Like I think, and the Rockets can climb out of this hole and, and gain a top three seed. Like yeah, I think he could get it. Uh, he's had he's gonna have some stiff competition this year from guys like Giannis and Nikola Jokic. But I think um, if you're looking at the candidates across the board, nobody's putting up the type of numbers he's putting up, and nobody has the type of usage Harden has, which is a little dangerous. But um, I, I think I think he's in a nice position to repeat this year, and I, I don't think uh, what Houston had earlier this year is going to hurt him because I think he has been the the sole reason that they aren't um, scrounging for a lottery pick right now. Yeah, uh, I think it depends on where they end up in the standings, but yeah, it's not too late. Uh, honestly, people don't really start watching the NBA until late December, aka Christmas, anyway. Uh, so. 
there a lot. There's a whole lot of season left. A lot of narratives can change. Uh, he actually could push his way into the into the MVP discussion if he keeps playing anywhere near this level. It's going to be hard to keep him out of it. Yeah, he he's. Uh, I mean, he's probably already on. Like, if the season ended today, he'd show up on some ballots. Like that. That's without a doubt. He's going to show up on some ballots as it stands. But as as far as him legitimately winning it, um, he's the Rockets are going to have to, as you said, climb up the standings a little bit more. And James Harden's going to have to sustain a little bit of what he's done. He's, he, there's no way he's going to average 40 points per game for the rest of the season. That's not going to happen. Like, he's, he's going to slow down a little bit. Like, that's to be expected. He's human, and Chris Paul's going to return and take away some of that usage. But um, I think I think he is definitely in that in that discussion. And I think, I think uh, as far as, you know, Houston earlier in the season, I think if he plays well enough and if the Rockets play well enough – People would have forgotten that they started the season so badly, uh, especially if they find if they secure themselves a nice position in the standings. Well, and also, uh, Chris Paul being out makes it pretty easy to just uh, put all the credit at James Harden's feet right now. So yeah. that helps as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is from TC Coop. By the way, that last question was from Britt Robotista. Uh, this next question oh, what's is... Up, Britt? Yeah, this next question is from T.C. Coop Jr. Why people hate Harden so much when Kobe was doing the same thing? People never complain like this about Kobe. And to see Lakers fans come at Harden um, is having me confused. Um, you to know, be fair, Kobe's game was less efficient. Yeah, and uh, Kobe Lakers fans are a different breed. Like, I really would strongly suggest staying away from Lakers Twitter. Like, it's... it's uh, it's it's a mess. Like there's a lot of stuff going on on Lakers Twitter at all at all hours. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it's it's just like you should not be looking to a fan base for logic. Like just in general, in fans, like you should not be looking at for at fans for logic. Like that's just not something you should be doing. Like that's that you know there there are smart fans, but as far as evaluating players fairly and teams fairly, like. Fans obviously have a lot of self-interest, and there's no reason to be uh, so upset about it. Like it's it's fine. Like I, I like yes, Harden draws fouls at the same rate that Wade and Kobe did, and like um, even Jordan in some of his prime years. Like I think yeah, that's true. And and I, I think Harden just draws some uh, some sort of visceral reaction in the way he draws his fouls, like um, the trickery and the. Uh, I guess I guess the flopping. Although I I, don't, I never had a problem with flopping to be honest. Like flopping just, is good. It's yeah, so good. Yeah, like my my favorite players of all time have all been floppers. And I I might have said this on this podcast before, but I'll say it again. Like Steve Nash, Ginobili, Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul. Like these are all my some of my favorite players of all time. And I, I have no pro. They were they were all huge floppers. Like I have no problem with flopping. It's never bothered me. And, and I. I don't know why it bothers other people. Again, I I can't speak for all basketball fans. It, it just it's just a thing. Um, what I will say is I do believe like eighty five to ninety percent of his contract is of his contact is legitimate. Like he does get the fouls. Like he James Harden gets fouled. Like that's just a thing. Like he gets it's real. It's really hard to defend him. Uh, and the way his step back three is nowadays, like it's really hard to contest it without getting into his airspace. And when you get into his airspace and you get into his landing area, that's a foul. 
Like that's just a foul. You can't you can't get in a shooter's landing area, and that's why he's drawing a lot of these three three shot fouls. There was a stat uh, a couple weeks ago about how Harden's drawn more three point shooting fouls more uh, than any other like the, than like the other second and third places just combined, like the second and third best players combined. <laughs> like he, he's just ridiculous at drawing fouls. He's really smart. Uh, he's unlike any other guard we've ever seen in terms of the way he. Uh, initiates contact. It's just and and I honestly I I don't understand why we're, why we're still having this conversation now in 2019. He's played the same way for like seven years. Like not, nothing's going to change at this point. Like you can complain, you can change the rules, you can do whatever you want. He's going to draw fouls. He's going to get to the free throw line. Like he's going to find another way to get to the free throw line, even even if you change the rules again. Like the NBA has completely ruined continuation for like a lot of players. Because of James Harden, like to get rid of the, that call, like it, it, it's there, there's no way you can out, you know, the way he draws fouls. Like it's it's just it's just a historical anomaly, and I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. But I guess a lot of other fans do. And I, again, I yeah. I have so, no right to, to to dictate what you enjoy as a basketball fan. I'll say that. Yeah, people don't like James Harden. They don't like his game. Uh, they don't like him. He free throws. He shoots. And look. Being honest, free throws are one of the least exciting parts of basketball. So uh, that seems fair to some degree, right? That they just don't want to watch lots of free throw shots. Uh, but I think a lot of it is that it's the same. It's the same reason why people don't like the Rockets in general, which is that they don't have a lot of uh, reverence, I guess, for the spirit of the game type stuff. The Rockets are saying out there saying, "Yeah, we're here to win, and we're going to make whatever trades it takes. We're going to do whatever it takes to win. And we're, we'll be mercenary about it because it's the name of the game, and it is the name of the game." And so, people don't like it when you say that. Uh, and winning at basketball means doing things that work, finding a win button and mashing it. And James Harden mashes those win buttons, whether it's pretty or not. Uh, and so, if you want to see pretty basketball, that's great. And James Harden's basketball, I think, is in a certain way beautiful, but in a certain way, it is beautiful in form, not in or in function, less so in form. So I get why people don't like him. He sort of puts the lie to the idea that it's all about like artistry and greatness and athleticism and not just about being incredibly good at whatever it takes. Uh, he he does to a certain degree take away from the like I guess the a play like the pedestal that people want to play sports on. It's hard to watch James Harden and not feel, yeah, he's incredible at this sport, but it doesn't matter. Like you have to agree, you can, to appreciate James Harden, you kind of have to agree with the take that what that winning is more important than it looking cool. That uh, gaming the system, that finding out, you know, winning on the margins, figuring out how to draw more fouls, figuring out how to be uh, unguardable, whether it's exciting or not. That those are the things that matter, and it's kind of a place that a lot of fans don't want to go. I think. Uh, he, they want to, they want a lot of fans would rather like someone like Westbrook, who is very angry and does things very quickly and is incredible in his own right. Uh, but his quality is oftentimes at odds, uh, with winning games. So, uh, Harden is one of the all time greats, whether people like it or not. And he really needs a championship to cement that home, uh, so that people are, will be forced to recognize his greatness because a lot of people just don't want to. And it's for reasons I understand, but they're, they're missing out. Yeah, and like I, I think I might have told you this on on this podcast or like through text message maybe a couple years ago. Like James Harden is going to go down as one of the twenty five greatest players of all times. So like that's going to happen. 
Like whether people like it or not, like that's going to happen. Like at this at the rate he's going, like it's kind of impossible not to pencil him in there. Like he's just ridiculous and he's getting all these sort of statistical achievements and he's racking up all these stats and it's it's just incredible what he's doing right now. I mean, it's he's probably going to like surpass a lot of Rockets greats along the way and he's going to he's going to rub a lot a lot of people wrong though along the way but it's just the way it is and um you know maybe maybe we'll never be able to truly appreciate how good he is as a basketball player uh as you know as he's currently playing maybe it's going to take retirement maybe it's going to take a dirk level of championship for him to get that sort of adoration like if you guys remember dirk uh before the 2011 championship, man, people did not like him. Yeah, he was considered soft. Yeah. Very soft. Yeah, people didn't like Dirk. Like, this was a, like, and same thing with guys like Pau Gasol to some, the softer level, right? Like, like, like a, not as, not at to the same degree as Dirk. People did not like Dirk. Like, and it's, and I think we're going to see something like that with James Harden until he gets, like, sort of, some sort of high level of championship or, like, 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 he has to get something like that to truly gain public approval but as far as whether or not we should care about all that like i don't don't think anybody should really care about all that as long as he's going to be remembered as what he is as he's going to be remembered as one of the 25 greatest players of all time like that's that's just gonna happen it's it's he's on pace to do a lot of ridiculous things i think he's heading up the three-point leaderboards as we speak like he's gonna he's gonna be one of the 10 greatest shooters of all time in terms of three-pointers made like like that's ridiculous. Like like, like he's gonna climb all these sort of pedestals, and I, I I don't really care like as far as what people think about it. Like it's as long as we evaluate him fairly, and I think he is evaluated fairly. I just think, uh, you know, some people don't like, don't have this you know the same degree of uh, of appreciation for his game than others. Like it's it's fine. Like as long as um, he's remembered historically correct, I think that's all that matters. And I think I think. Um, that's going to happen, um, and I think as far as what other fans appreciate, like that, you can't control that. You just can't. Like, I, and I agree why why fans are upset. Like he, he just attempted twenty seven free throws like the other <laughs> night at Memphis. Like twenty seven is a lot of free throws, man. Like that's a lot. Like that. Like I haven't seen a lot yeah, of players. That's a few. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a lot of players attempt twenty seven field goals much less 27 free throws. Like that that's a lot. That's a lot of free throws. But um I, you know, I, again, I think he earns those free throws. I think he does draw a contract. I I think a lot of the contact is legitimate. And yeah, he does flop along the way, but whatever. In today's NBA, a lot of players flop. Fooling the refs is good. You should yeah. always fool the refs. Yeah, or just accentuating the contact. Like that's fine. As long as the original contact was there, I don't think there's anything wrong. Like as long as he's actually getting fouled, which I think is true, he's actually getting fouled. There's nothing wrong with the way he plays basketball um, morally. Like morally, he's playing the right way. He's playing to win basketball games, which is as, as you long said, as no one's getting hurt. There's no immoral way to play basketball. So yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah, you're right. You're correct. It's, it's, it's basketball. There's really nothing immoral about it. But. Um, yeah, I I don't really have much to say on this topic. I really don't care to be honest. Like it's it's uh, enjoy him as you will, hate him as you will. Uh, he's as long as we historically remember him correctly, 
Um, that's all that really matters. That's really all that matters, and I think that's probably going to happen. Um, let's see. We have any other questions? Okay. I feel like regular season defensive rating isn't that defining for how a team will play in the playoffs. Ariza is the only person who played meaningful minutes against Golden State who isn't here anymore. Do you think we, meaning the Rockets, could possibly be the, that good defensively in the playoffs? Um, I don't know. It's going to take a lot for them to like they have to reconstruct this roster like as it currently stands they're not going to be an elite defense um and they're not going to be anywhere close they were to where they were last year until they get some reinforcements and that starts with getting guys healthy like getting chris paul and james Ennis back is going to help them defensively like as much as chris paul has declined i think he's still a positive defender when he's healthy and uh james Ennis can help them and getting you know, getting to the trade deadline and the buyout market uh, is going to help them. And we should probably talk about Austin Rivers. This is a nice transition to Austin Rivers. Um, Austin Rivers was a really great addition for Houston, man. Like, and like I've been a big Austin Rivers defender uh, while he was in in LA. Like, I I don't I truly don't understand. Well, I guess I do. I, I can I can understand why people hate him, but I, I truly never understood the the amount of visceral hatred that he got. While he was in LA, like he's a good basketball player. Like, he's he may not be like a starting level guard in the NBA, but he is. At, for Houston, he's going to be the fourth guard. Like it's going to be James Harden, Chris Paul, Eric Gordon, and then, and then Austin Rivers. That's fine. Like yeah, he, and he's the third point guard as well. So he's not going to play tons of minutes. He's going to play some minutes, and he's going to play quite a bit whenever one of the other point guards is injured. Yeah, like that. Austin Rivers was a really good addition. Like they really needed that fourth guard, as you, as you mentioned earlier. Like Brandon Knight was not cutting it. Like uh, since he's come back from injury, he has not played particularly. Like and again, he's had he hasn't played basketball in a year and a half. I don't expect him to play well at this point. But he the the, the fact of the matter is the Rockets don't have time to sit around and wait for Brandon Knight to come around. Like maybe they could have last year. They can't this year. Like they need quality rotation minutes at all at all times. And Austin Rivers helps satisfy that need. And I think uh, if he's your fourth guard, man, you, you could really do a lot worse. Like he's a could, good he's a good defender, and he can run an offense well enough, and he can shoot pretty well. That's and that's all they need. That's yeah. all they really need. They don't need. He's not going to be, you know, their starting point guard on a championship team. He's going to be your your insurance point guard and your garbage time point guard and your backup point guard. So, uh, he's fine. He's doing a really good job with that with what he's been given so far. He seems like he is into it. Uh, he looks like he's buying into the concept and he can do what needs to be done. So this is a really good pickup. Uh, the big concerns people had about him beforehand it was possible chemistry issues but uh so far that doesn't seem to be a problem so all right great uh this is a really good pickup for them and it frees them up quite a bit to make a lot of like as i said earlier to move brandon knight they're not relying on brandon knight anymore and that's huge for them yeah like when we got to the point in the season where the rockets were talking about getting brandon knight back would be huge like that's when you knew the rockets were a dark spot like, that's when you knew, like, you're depending on a guy who hasn't played basketball in a year and a half uh, to come back and be himself. 
to get quality minutes at that backup point guard position. That's when you knew the Rockets really needed to make a move. And getting Austin Rivers was a really great step in the right direction. Getting Daniel House was a good step in the direction, in that direction. But they still need to make additions. They still need to make trades. And if if they make those moves, if they use their exception properly, their taxpayer MLE, which, which we've been talking about, I feel like we've been talking about this taxpayer MLE for, for like a year now, even though they've only had it for like <laughs> six months or whatever. Like it, the, whenever they use that on somebody and not portions of it, like they've been using to sign players like uh, Isaiah Hardenstein, like as soon as they use like the big chunk of it, um, I think the Rockets will be in a, in a solid spot. But I'm not sure what it's going to take for them to get back to last year's level of defense. Again, the, you have to change your expectations for this team. Like The fact that the Rockets aren't where they were last month is a huge step in the right direction. And once they get back to contendership status, then we can get back to talking about how they can get back to becoming an elite def- defense. They're not there yet, so you you guys should just be happy with what this what's going on right now. Honestly, like what's what's going on right now is a massive step in the right direction. The fact that they've gotten their offense in order and the, and the fact that James Harden's playing this well is a huge step in the right direction. As far as Golden State, man, you're not even looking at Golden State right now. Right now, you're looking at teams like the Lakers. You're looking at teams like the Blazers. You're looking at teams like the Clippers. Like those. You're are just trying teams. to yeah. You're just trying to pass up the next team above you. That's all there is to it right now. Yeah, you're just trying to climb up the standings. Like that's like right now, like. I know there's we got we got quite a few questions about whether or not James Harden's uh, usage rate and his minutes are you know dangerous like you know him play- yeah in to some degree yeah it's gonna have some long term implications James Harden playing this well but at this point you can't worry about the long term implications you need to worry about the short term implications which at the beginning of the season was making the playoffs now that you've made the playoffs you need to get a good standing. And you need to get to good seating, and then you can worry about playoff matchups. Then you can worry about lowering Hart and James Harden's usage, and uh, all that stuff can be resolved the trade deadline, which I do expect they will. Uh, you know, use all their resources, and they still have quite a bit of resources. They, again, they have all their first round picks. They have that taxpayer MLE, so I, I think they have resources to improve defensively. But I think as of this moment, uh, the Rockets' goal should just be. Um, the 2016-17 Rockets, which is elite offense, passable defense, right? Like, yeah, they just they just have to keep improving. That's all. Like, yeah. it, would, it doesn't need to be anything more than that at the moment. They have improved quite a bit since the start of the season. They're just going to keep that up. And uh, worrying about you know June is only going to make everybody miserable, including themselves and especially you, the listener. So uh, as long as they just keep looking better and keep on making a uh, making strides that's all that really matters right um i think that's it i mean we've covered pretty much everything um is there anything else you want to add before we head out uh it's been fun to watch them lately and that's really been the biggest thing for me they're not a miserable watch and the first month of the season they were a miserable watch so i am a lot happier about this yeah yeah, I mean, that's really the big thing here, right? Like, Rockets fans have a fun basketball team to watch again. Like, I'm sure there are a lot of Rockets fans dreading that January 3rd game against the Warriors. Now that might be some somewhat entertaining. Even without a Chris Paul, that might be... Like, you might just tune in just to see what the hell James Harden does, right? Like yeah, who that, knows? Yeah, like, like it, it, it's, it's a fun basketball team to watch again. Uh, like, just... 
being in that locker room was so miserable at the beginning of the season. Like the expressions and the the mood and the tenure, the toner of that locker room is just it's just totally different. Like it's 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 just a much more enjoyable team to cover. And, and I can't wait to talk about that with you on the next podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at Red Nation News. Follow Forrest on Twitter at D-U-N-O-T-S. Um, and yeah, guys, good night. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.